All right. Good morning, Faith Church. What's going on, everybody? Hey, welcome to the house. It's so good to have all of you here at our Florence location. Thanks so much for showing up today. Can we honor and welcome those in our Lawrenceburg location? Come on. It's good to have our Faith Church family there and everybody else watching, watching online. Thanks so much for tuning in and showing up. Whoever you are, whatever you're going through, we say it every week. Come on. We believe that Jesus, he is the hope of the world. Whoever you are, whatever you're going through, your issue, your hurt, your heartache, or your habit, if you'll open up your life to Jesus, it'll be the greatest decision you've ever made. How many people already know that's true? Come on. Well, listen, I have with me this morning up here on this stage a pencil, one of the most easily recognized items on the planet. Not just a pencil, but this right here is a number two pencil. Now, listen, here's what's crazy is in uh, right now we still produce, I say we uh, internationally, they still produce 1.5 billion pencils. And the majority of those are number two pencils, and more than that, a majority of those number two pencils find themselves in classrooms, in elementary schools, in high schools, on college campuses, which is crazy because we live in a digital age. People are using laptops and tablets and smart devices. But even though we're in a digital age, a lot of people are still using pencils in the classroom. Now, obviously, some people use those for notes, but the primary purpose of pencils you use for today are for exams. One of the most dreaded phrases in your uh, education is, please take out a number two pencil. When you hear that phrase, you know it's about to be on. And if you didn't get a heads up, that was your heads up, come on, you're probably in trouble. I'm just curious, where are my test takers? Where are the people like, you love a good test, like it doesn't matter. If you got a heads up, when it comes, you're right. Come on, be proud, loud and proud, four of you. Where's the people, it don't matter how much notice you got, you hate tests. No, you're out on the exam. <laughs> Most of us, Lawrenceburg. Now, it's not just in education, not just in our schooling process do we take exams. Exams really are a part of life. If you think about it, we take, you know, depending on maybe your field of expertise, some of you took a broker's exam or real estate exam, exams to get us our licensing and the credentials we want. We take driver's exams to get us our permit to be able to operate an automobile. So exams are a part of life. Several years ago, I had the opportunity to work at UPS. I was in college looking for a part-time, and UPS was hiring all the way back then. They were paying $18 an hour, and I was all about it. However, in order to get the, exam, get the, uh, get the job, we had to actually take an entrance exam. There was lots of different questions, and I'll never forget, they handed me the test, handed me the exam, and one of the questions on the exam was this. It was that I had to write out the capital and lowercase letter in print and in cursive. Now, I know right away that doesn't seem very hard. You know, Lawrenceburg, Florence, probably most of you would say, oh, I, I got that. I'll be honest, when they pushed that on me and I opened up the packet and I read that first question, I was like, who can't, who can't write out 104 letters? 26 capital print, 26 lowercase print, 26 capital cursive, 26 lower, you know, I thought I got this. Man, I, I blew out the first 26 capital print, Next, 26, lowercase print. I'm going to be honest, I started getting stuck on the cursive. <laughs> like, I thought I had it, but immediately, you know, there was a couple I wasn't really sure of. And if you don't know the capital letter, which I know cursive is kind of on its way out, but the answer is not just to put an extra curly Q. <laughs> there was a couple letters. I don't know how many of you here in Lawrenceburg feel like you could nail that, all 104, capital, lowercase. But there were three specific I got stuck on and just... 
just to show you my appreciation, I'm going to give you the three I got stuck on just in case this ever pops up on an exam you need to take. First of all was the letter F in cursive. Couldn't remember what it was. Here's what it looks like, right? It looks like a little sailing ship. I was like, yeah, that's right. The other one that I got stuck on probably more, number two is capital Z. Looks nothing like a print Z. Looks like a Y. They cheated on that one. They were totally unoriginal. Then the one, I didn't know it, didn't get it. I put like, I made like a print Q with a bunch of extra curly Qs. And even when I seen it when the exam was over, I went and looked it up. I was like, that can't be right. Does anybody remember this right here? The cursive Q. I don't know who designed that, but someone should have told them that was already taken. That's number two. <laughs> but here's the thing. So again, exams are a part of life. They follow us. We have to take exams. They're important. If I can have my screens in the back, please. One of the things we need to know is that as you take, as you take the exams, here's what you need to know is that sometimes... There's always something at stake when you take an exam. Like we just don't take an exam for no reason. If we take an exam, it's either we pass the class or we fail the class. Exams determine whether you get the license or you don't get the license. Exams determine whether you get the job or don't get the job. So there's always something at stake when you take an exam. In fact, exams, especially when it comes to our relationship with God, do you know God tests us? Do you know God sometimes will allow you to go through seasons of life and God is testing you and God is using exams to expose us? Sometimes exams that God allows us to go through in life expose where our faith is, where our growth is, what God needs to do in our life. Come on, nobody likes exams by all the hands that were raised in a moment ago, but come on, sometimes we need a good exam to grow in our faith and know who we are in Christ. And so today, I want us to lean into another exam because I would think that Probably many of us here today are in Lawrenceburg or watching online. You probably feel like you're past the exam phase. You're through your education career. You're past college. You know, like, hey, I'm never going to have to take another exam. I got my driver's license. I have all the licensing I'll ever need. However, there is one exam that as Christians, as Christ followers, we're called to take on a regular basis. And so my goal today is to walk you through the exam to help you figure out whether you pass or whether you fail. And so we're going to jump right into, in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, here's the first two words. I want us, come on, both campuses, everybody shout this together. Here's what Paul said, one, two, three, say it. Examine yourselves. Examine yourselves. Now, some of you right away are like, hey, I, I passed that test on the regular. <laughs> That's the exam. The exam is examine yourselves. We're in the middle of a series entitled The Me Mentality. The Me Mentality is the mentality where life is all about me, my, I. That our life is about who we are, what we have, and how we're living, the choices we make. And the challenge with the me mentality that is, is really a big part of our culture, maybe it's a big part of your life, is the me mentality is in total contradiction to living out a life where Christ is the center of who we are. So either you can be in the center of your life or Christ can be in the center of your life, but there's only room for one on the throne. And so the me mentality, what we've been talking about is, is how to move past the me mentality. We've been talking about uh, the ideas like um, living self-sufficient. We don't have to depend on ourselves. Talk about living self-centered. We've talked about living self-governed. Today, we're going to take kind of a spin on this idea of me mentality and self, and we're going to use self in a positive thing, because sometimes you need to consider yourself in order to get the question or the answer to the question you're looking for. In fact, again, he talks about this, examine yourself. Everybody say that, examine yourself. Again, a lot of us, we do this on a regular. 
We examine ourselves externally. We do that a lot. Probably for everybody here, everybody here in Lawrenceburg, a part of your morning was looking in a mirror saying, am I ready for Sunday morning? Come on, we look at mirrors on the regular. We're, we're totally cool doing the external evaluation. I don't know about you, but mirrors don't always show me and tell me what I want to see or hear, right? We look in mirrors, you're looking for the details. As a teenager, the blemishes, like the pimples. As you get older, it's the wrinkles. Come on, it's, it's just the reality of life. I don't know how my hair got the color it got. It was blonde at one point, started getting dark, started getting gray. My wife, I don't know if she really meant this or was just trying to keep me from jumping off a bridge, but she's like, I like it peppered. And then we're like from peppered to gray. Now it's like white, but I look at it every day and I'm like, baby, you can be old lady blue. Just hang on. Come on, like, I don't care what color you are. Just stay there, right? So again, we're great, man. We're great. I'm in the process. I'm three weeks away from finishing uh, about a nine-month process of Invisalign. I have straight teeth for the first time in my life. And I'm looking in the mirror like, come on, I'm fired up. How many people looked in the mirror today? And you don't look in the mirror, you flip the phone around, you look. So here's what I'm telling you. The Apostle Paul says, hey, examine yourselves, but the challenge isn't to examine externally. If you're taking notes, come on, here's what you need to know is, he goes on, he tells us, here's the challenge. He says, examine yourselves whether you are in the faith. So this isn't a faith exam or a face exam. It's a faith exam. It's not how you look on the outside. It's how you look on the inside. The thing of consequence is our character, not the color of your hair, not how straight your teeth are, how few blemishes you have. Apostle Paul says, hey, part of the exam that all of us are called to take, especially as Christ followers, is you're to examine yourself whether you're in the faith, which means like what's going on in the essence of who you are, who's in the center, like what's, what's your life really comprised of and composed of, where are you at in a relationship with Jesus? David found out in the Old Testament when he was called to be the king. This is what the process was. He said, everybody else is judging by the outside, but God spoke a word and said, man judges by the outward appearance. But come on, God, he judges what? The heart. If you're taking notes, here's what you need to hear. People measure with mirrors. God measures with his message. So it's not about what's reflecting back in the mirror. It's not what other people think of you. But sometimes when you lean into God's word, the book of James, James says that, that God's word, his message is a mirror. And a lot of times we want to we flip the mirror on everybody else around us and try to expose culture around us. But God says, no, my, my word is a, is a mirror to you. When you lean into a devotion, when you show up in church and you hear a message, it's to expose something in us. It's, it's to show us where we're strong. It's to show us where we're weak. It's to show us the opportunity God has for us. It's to show us the sin we need to repent of. And so God is using his, his, his me message as a mirror to show us what really matters, and that's what's on the inside. And so the full message is this. Watch this. He says, examine yourselves. Examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Everybody say those next two words. Test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless, indeed, you're disqualified. So the exam is, here's the exam we're taking today. The exam is, are you in the faith? Now, if you're here and you're a Christ follower, if you, right, would, would put yourself in that category, 
right away, you probably have already answered that question. You're like, I got this. I can check out. You know, I can go on social media for the rest of this message because, yeah, I'm in the faith. And I just want to say, whoa, before you get too far, let's really just dig into that idea. Are you in the faith or is the faith in you? I don't mean like, I know some of you might have had an experience. You went through VBS and you prayed a prayer. You said yes to Jesus or you went away to youth camp or there was a moment maybe not too long ago here on a Sunday morning at Faith Church that you said yes to Jesus. But I'm not talking about did you just pray a prayer? Is it really changed your life? Has it really changed who you are? Are you really in a daily relationship with the creator of the universe? And not just are you in the faith, like some of you, like you were in the faith, but are you in the faith today? And not is your pastor in the faith or is your parents in the faith or is your best friend in the faith? Are you today, now in the faith? Because the Apostle Paul says, this is an exam with high stakes. This is an exam that Christ followers ought to take on the regular. Now, if you're here, you're watching online, or you're in Lawrenceburg, and you wouldn't say you're a Christian yet, then my hope is today you'll hear what it really means to be a Christ follower, and you'll make a really simple decision this morning to leave this place as a child of God. So if you're not in the faith, today you can get in the faith, and if you think you're in the faith, we're going to take an exam, and we're going to find out if we're really in the faith or not. Are you in the faith? How do we know? What do questions look like on that kind of exam? Well, obviously in that answer, are you in the faith? Faith is what we believe. So we're going to do that for a few minutes. We're going to examine for a few moments. What do you believe? If you say you're a Christian, you're a Christ follower, you're saved, you're born again, whatever synonymous phrase you use, one of the things you got to check, one of the litmus tests of our life is, what do you really believe? What does it mean to be a Christ follower. Well, the apostle uh, Paul, he tells us that this idea is, it's the gospel. It's the good news. I don't know if you know this or not, but the message of Jesus really is good news. If you think it's bad news, you miss the message. If you think it's about what you have to give up instead of what you get to pick up, if you think about what you got to lay down instead of what you get to become, you have missed it. It is incredibly good news that God sent his son Jesus to take it all to make us his children. Come on, I got good news. Well, what's the good news? Again, what is the gospel? Paul tells us what the gospel is. So when you examine what do you believe, what do I believe to qualify, to pass the exam, are we in the faith? Here it is. Notice what he says in 1 Corinthians. He says this. It is this, everybody say these two words, good news that saves you. If you continue to believe the message, I told you. Here's the message. Here's the gospel. Here's the good news. You ready? Four things. Christ died for our sins just as the scripture said. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day just as the scripture say. So when you ask the question, uh, am I in the faith? One of the things you have to take an exam on is what you believe. Here are the four things, because there's lots of stuff depending on what church you were raised in, what denomination you came up in. I know some of you have a Church of Christ background and you're still not even sure about the music we do and can you love Jesus? I know some of you are Pentecostal and we don't speak in tongues enough for you. I know some of you are Baptist and there's someone speaking in tongues next to you on Sunday morning. You're not sure if they're saved. How do you get baptized? Is it, you know, sprinkled, dunk, spit on, splash? Like, what's baptism look like? 
Do we take communion once a week, once a day, once a month? Like there's all these nuances and I get it depending on your denomination upbringing, there are nuances to our faith. But the answer, are you in the faith comes down to four things. There are four things that you have to decide you believe, you put your faith in and this is what qualifies you to pass the exam of, are you in the faith? Four things, are you ready? Number one thing is Jesus is savior. Number two thing is you and I are sinners. Number three thing is Jesus died sacrificially. And number four, Jesus rose on the third day victoriously. You got that? Jesus is Savior, we're sinners. He died sacrificially and he rose victoriously. It is those simple four things that we put our faith in that transforms us from darkness to light, transforms us from children of the enemy to children of God. It is putting our faith in those simple biblical truths. Come on. Now, I know some of you are like giving the golf clap, like, yeah, I believe that. Do you? There was a study that was just released this week. <clears throat> it was in partnership with George Barna. George Barna, if you ever look at research, a lot of times published in different newspapers or find online, oftentimes you'll find the study was done by a person or an organization, George Barna, Barna Research. Barna Research partnered with Cultural Research International. It's an organization out of Arizona State University, and they just released a publication specifically about this conversation we're having today. What they did was they interviewed uh, several thousand people, and they asked them this question, are you a Christian? 70% of those interviewed identified themselves with the title, yes, I am a Christian. Well, why they identify themselves with the terminology or the title of a Christian, here's what the study went on to show is it only really 6%, 6% were really Christian when it comes down to what they believe. So they said, I, I go to church. I've held a Bible. But when you pass the exam of are you a believer, they failed the test because they didn't line up with the simple things the Bible teaches. For example, the four things, what are they? Jesus is Savior. People are sinners. Christ died sacrificially, and he rose on the third day victoriously. Those who were interviewed, 70% said Christians, but only 6% of the seven lined up with those four. The rest, you know what they said? People aren't really sinners. People are intrinsically good. Well, I don't know about you, but I don't know who they're hanging out with. People are crooked and corrupt and racist and hatred and full of themselves. The Bible teaches that the heart of people are full of evil and deceitfully wicked above all else. We're in trouble. We are a culture that is sinking unless the Savior shows up, and thankfully he did. People are not intrinsically good. We are intrinsically bad and sinful. This group of people who identified themselves, the, who said, yeah, I'm a Christian, they believe that all religions are equal. Well, Buddhism and being a Muslim and being a Christian is not the same thing. While there might be some value to different faiths, there's only one who showed up and came to rescue humanity. Buddha could not rescue humanity. Allah did not rescue humanity. Only Jesus Christ, the Son of God, showed up and laid down his life sacrificially on the cross of Calvary to pay the sin debt of all humanity. 
And the same group of people said that we can, we can get to heaven by good works. Well, we can't get to heaven by good works. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am life. No one comes to the Father by, my, by me, which means there's a whole group of people sitting in churches just like this today that say, I think I can earn my way to heaven. I think all religions are equal, and I think I'm a pretty good person. The Bible says the faith test is that Jesus is the Savior. We're all sinners. He died sacrificially, and he rose on the third day victoriously. And until you align with those simple truths, we are outside, but to pass the test, all you got to do is lean in and put your hope and faith in the one who showed up to rescue all of us. Come on, somebody. Are you in the faith? Are you in the faith? See, a lot of the things that we're talking about are not popular in culture. This idea that Jesus is the only way will probably make you more enemies than friends but I'd rather pass the test and lose a friend than fail the test and keep a friend. Do you pass the test? Are you in the faith and is the faith in you? One of the ways we evaluate that is to examine what do we believe? Do we believe the gospel? Because it's only the gospel. Paul said it's the gospel that saves you. That until you recognize you're a sinner and I'm a sinner in need of a savior and Jesus is that savior because he died on the cross and he demonstrated he was the savior because even though he was dead, and our sin was killing us. It couldn't hold him down on the third day. Come on, he got up. Come on, is anybody thankful for a Savior that did it all? So I think, here's the other thing. I didn't say this first service. So again, several thousand adults were interviewed. 70% roughly identify themselves as Christians. Only 6%, gosh, that number's so small. Only 6% could really articulate their faith biblically or accurately have a biblical worldview. What was worse was only 3% actually live what they say they believe, what they reflect who they are. Because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what you say you believe. If it doesn't change how you live, then you don't really believe it. When Paul says, examine yourself, everybody say that, examine yourself. He says, examine yourself, whether you are in the faith. Then he uses these two words. He says, test yourselves. It's kind of crazy. It feels like he's being redundant, doesn't it? Examine yourself, test yourself. Well, when you kind of dig into the conversation he's having, there's something that kind of reveals itself that's really important in this conversation. He's not being redundant. The word examine and the word test are very similar words. I know probably a lot of you didn't look at a Greek dictionary this morning. I did, getting ready for this message, not this morning. So I'll show you what it says because when you look at the word examine and you look at the word test, they're, they're different words, but the, the definition is almost identical. To examine, to prod, to look into, it feels very similar, but they're different words because the first word, when Paul says, examine yourself, the second word, when he says, test yourself, the first word is objective, and the second word is subjective. Let me tell you the difference. A lot of times, it's very difficult to see the decisions we're making because we're in them. That's why sometimes it's good to have a friend who sees what you don't see because they're not in your situation so they can give you a truth you don't currently see. Again, sometimes you need an objective look at something. Are you all hearing what I'm telling you? So when the Apostle Paul says examine yourself, he's saying look at your faith objectively because a lot of times you got some warm fuzzies. I like that song we sing. I go to church. Well, listen, people have said this a long time, man. You know, going to, going to a church building doesn't make you a Christian any more than going to McDonald's makes you a cheeseburger. So you can objectively say, well, I do these things, but do you, do you really 
Because it's, it's not enough just to have the words right. Are you actually living this out? So here's the two things. Watch this. He says, examine yourself, objective. Test yourself, subjective. Let me ask you a question. If you were going to buy a car, everybody here, everybody in Lawrenceburg, y'all know what a car is, don't you? What makes a car a car? Come on, I'll take some answers. What makes a car a car? What does a car have that a car needs to have to be a car? It's got to have an engine. You don't want to Fred Flintstone that thing. Got to have an engine. What, what else? Got to have wheels. I mean, you know, it can't, it can't roll if it don't have wheels. It's got to have a steering wheel. You got to be able to direct it. Brakes. You want to be able to slow that thing down once you get it going. Got to have a rate. It doesn't, I, I know I, we like our cars to smell good, but a green tree hanging in the mirror doesn't make it a car. We like our system, but a booming system doesn't make it a car. Right? There's a couple things you need to make it a car. And so if I showed you an object and said, is that a car? All of us are smart enough to say, well, it has an engine. It has wheels. It has steering wheel. Yeah, that's a car. This is what the apostle Paul's saying. He's saying some of you are so far showing up in the church, you've not taken a step back and say, Am I really a Christian? Do I really believe what the Bible says I need to believe to be a Christian? But then he says, test yourselves. The difference is subjective, which it means doesn't matter how much that looks like a car. The point of a car isn't how it looks, it's transportation. Does it get you from point A to point B, which means it might have a steering wheel, it might have an engine, it might have wheels, it might have a seat. But until you get in and start it and it moves you from point A to point B, if it can't do that, it's not really a car. And you might have the words right about your faith, but until you align with what you believe, with what you behave, your faith isn't any good. Come on, somebody. So he says, listen. What we got to do is take this uncomfortable exam on a regular basis of, are you in the faith? And the first thing you look at is, what do I really believe? Do I really believe that Jesus alone is the Savior of the world? Do I really believe that I need a Savior, that I'm broken, disconnected from my Creator, that I'm a sinner, I can't save myself? Do you really be, believe that Jesus died a sacrificial death on the cross? He wasn't murdered. He willingly laid down his life. And do you believe three days later, death and hell couldn't hold him, but he walked up out of that tomb. And because he lives, we live too. He said, yep. Then the second thing you got to examine is examine what do you do? Not just what you believe, but again, does your car not just look like a car, but does it drive? Does your faith not just have the right words, but it's actually changing who you are? Does it, is it influencing Come on, who we are. If I, if I show up in church and I hold a Bible and I put money in the offering plate, but it doesn't change essentially, the faith doesn't dynamically change how I think, how I live, how I treat people, choices I make, how I spend my money, how I invest my time. Do I show up in serve days? Do I connect in connect groups? If it doesn't influence in the essentials of who I am, then our faith is no good. So today, I want us just to take a few minutes and take an exam. And look at how we're living. Apostle Paul said it this way in Galatians. He says, let each one examine his own work. Which is crazy because I'm really great at examining everybody else's work. Come on, like I'm money. You want to know what I think about how you're living? I probably have an opinion. The opinion I'm probably not so quick to give is how I'm living. And Apostle Paul says again, if you're going to examine your faith, you have to examine your work. 
If you're going to examine your work, it means to examine really how you're living and how the gospel, how the good news is influencing and changing your daily decisions in your regular life. And so I want you to think about it. How are you living for the gospel? Or do you just show up on Sunday or does it really translate into Monday morning? Does it show up in the campus? Does it show up in conversations? Does it, does it spill over into social media? Has the gospel changed how you treat your wife? Has the gospel changed how you're raising your kids? Has the good news influenced how you budget your money? Is the gospel changing you got thousands of people like we have involved in campus. We ought to be changing a city. If you have several thousand people who say, I love Jesus, I believe he's the savior, I'm a sinner, he, he died sacrificially and rose victorious. You got thousands of people that believe that. If they're living it, we're changing a community. Come on, Come on somebody. Is anybody down with changing? Come on, Northwest Alabama, Middle Tennessee. <laughs> I read another article this past week, and this is a pretty extreme example. And I'm going to sound very judgmental. I want you to recognize that. I try to, try to guard myself from being very judgmental. But there's a place to be judgmental. Jesus said you'll know them by their fruits. Jesus said you'll know a person not by what they say. Do they have the four right things right? Jesus said you can know a person's really a Christian by their fruit, how they live. I read this article. When I read the title, I thought I, thought I was getting punked. I thought it was a, anybody, anybody read anything from Babylon B? It's a satirical, a satirical, like it's this crazy, outrageous stuff and it's not true. When I read the title of this article, I thought it was Babylon B. I thought it was satirical. The title of the article was uh, Porn Star Pastor's Church. I'm, I'm reading that article. I, I mean, I got to know. I don't want to know. I got to know. And so open it up and I'm reading it and... There really is. It's a, it's a husband and wife that co-pastor this church on the West Coast. And this, this girl wasn't, wasn't a porn star who got radically saved and God changed her life and now she's preaching the gospel because that'd be a really great testimony. The story is she is actively and currently producing and participating in pornography. Her YouTube channel is, is described this way, preaching in pornography. Why? Well, you know, peanut butter and jelly go together. Uh, Oreo cookies and milk go together. Let me tell you something that doesn't go together, pornography and preaching. So, so I'm reading this. I want you all just to hear this. I'm sure if you ask this, this girl, hey, what do you believe? She might, get, she might pass the test. She might say, man, I believe Jesus is the Savior of the world. I believe that I'm, that I'm a sinner, that people are sinners that need a savior. I believe Jesus died on the cross and rose again. Well, the test isn't over. Have you ever, have you ever finished a test, walked out of the room, and someone told you later there were questions on the back? Well, the front of the page is, what do you believe? The back of the page is, how do you live? Examine how you live. And I'm just here to tell you, listen to me, this is an extreme example, but this lady is, deceptive, is deceived enough to believe that she can participate in adultery of sleeping with other people, even though she's married to another man, that she can publish pornography, which is causing men internationally and globally to stumble into sin with temptation. There is a word for it in the New Testament. It's called defraud. When you set up the expectation of another person and you don't fulfill that expectation in the context of marriage, the word is defraud. So she is defrauding and tempting 
in adultery and somehow this is her lifestyle and she's like, but I love Jesus. And what we need to hear is this, God, no one in this room ever, we will ever reach perfection on this side of eternity. It's not about perfection, it's about progress which means I'm not perfect yet and I'll never be perfect, but am I progressing in my walk with Jesus and am I steadily and consistently becoming the person that he called me and created me and saved me to become? I want you to hear this. I'm not pointing fingers at anybody, myself or you, but I'm calling us all today to take a step back and look at our faith and say, what do I really believe? And take a step in and look around and say, am I really living this thing out? Because he said, if not, you pass the test. If not, you fail the test. And like, there's a lot at stake in the outcome of this exam. And so maybe you're not producing pornography, hopefully. But maybe you're thinking something else, like you're still stuck in a lifestyle and you're still living a behavior that culture code signs, but Christ denies. And at some point you gotta lean in and say, that doesn't line up with what God's word teaches. And if I'm gonna pass the test, I gotta repent and walk away. So what do you believe? You gotta examine what you believe. And you gotta examine how you behave. You gotta examine what you do. And if you need a little help, there's a really dangerous prayer you can pray. The reason I say it's dangerous because I believe God will answer it if you really want to hear his answer. David recognized sometimes it's not enough for me to examine myself. Sometimes I need an outside source to do a spiritual x-ray. Here's a prayer I would challenge all of us to pray today. Here's what David prayed. David prayed, examine me, O Lord. I'm giving you permission to lay me out and show me the stuff I don't see, to reveal the stuff I don't want to know about, to uncover the stuff I've been hiding. God, will you come? Come on, everybody pray this prayer with me. Say, examine me, O Lord, and prove me. Try my, am I, come on, say it again. Try my, am I, challenge how I think and challenge what I love. Look into my values and look into my desires. And if it's out of line with what a believer is, then Lord, show me. So the exam we're talking about today is whether or not you're really in the faith. Not whether you go to church. I'm glad you're here. Not whether or not you got a baptism certificate that I signed. But are you really in the faith? Are you, is the faith really in you? Do you believe what God's word says the gospel is? And has the gospel gotten in you and changed how you're living for him? Because every exam you don't pass is a victory you don't possess. Again, I said it earlier that there's something at stake with every exam. This is the big one. Because the Apostle Paul said, if you don't pass this test, you're disqualified. Now, I don't think Jesus gave all that he gave so that any single person in this room or any person in Lawrenceburg or any person watching online would fail. He made it as easy as possible. He gave you the study guide. He pointed to all the questions that are on the test. He made it as easy as possible to pass. All you have to do is believe. And when you believe, it sets up the power of the Holy Spirit to help you to live it out. So what do you believe? And how are you living? Do you pass the test? This morning, I'm gonna ask us to stand together as we have the privilege to take communion together. Communion is another call that the apostle gives us to examine ourselves. In fact, he says in 1 Corinthians 11, in the context of the conversation on communion, and he says this, listen to it. 1 Corinthians 11, 27 and 28, he says, so anyone who eats this bread and drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily 
is guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. What is it to take communion in an unworthy manner? What does that mean? He tells us in the next verse, that is why you should examine yourself before eating this bread and drinking this cup. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, before you take communion, let's take an exam. Because he says, if all you do is celebrate, all you do is celebrate the sacrifice without submitting to the sacrifice, that's what it means to do it in an unworthy manner. So we have to, come on, before we celebrate the sacrifice, before we celebrate together what Jesus did for us, we got to submit to the sacrifice. Am I living out what he did for me? And so I'm going to pray. Before we take communion, I just want to invite all of us here in Florence, all of you in Lawrenceburg, all of you online, we're going to pray a dangerous prayer. And we're just going to ask the Holy Spirit to help us to take the test. So Heavenly Father, we take just a moment to bow our heads and our hearts. It's so easy to grab the title of Christian. It's so easy to say I'm a believer. But Lord, there's, there's real evidence. Do we believe? I pray, Holy Spirit, that you'll help all of us to lean into the truth of the word. That we really believe we're sinners. We really believe that Jesus came to be Savior that he did die sacrificial and he rose victoriously. If you're here and you're watching this or watching this and you've never given your life to Christ, you never stepped across the line, listen, all you have to do is put your faith in who he is and what he did for you. It's really simple. You can't save yourself. I can't save myself. But Jesus did everything possible, everything necessary to forgive us and make us children of God. If you'll confess with your mouth that Jesus is your Lord and that he died and rose from the dead, the Bible says through that simple act of faith, you're saved, you're, you become a Christ follower. And so I'm gonna lead in a really simple prayer. If you're listening to this and you've never given your life to Christ or maybe you've been playing church, but you've never really, you've never really passed the test. You're just, as you're hearing this, you're like, hey, I'm not really in. All over this place, you can take a step and be changed today. I'm gonna pray a simple prayer. And if you would, I would love for you to pray it with me if you wanna give your life to, to Christ. Just say, Jesus, I believe that I'm a sinner that I've messed up, that I've made mistakes that separate me from a good God. I ask you to come into my life. I believe you died on the cross to forgive me my sin and you rose from the grave to give me life. And right now, I accept your grace in Jesus' name. Come on, if you prayed that prayer, come on, we're celebrating with you right now. Now the second page, we're gonna flip the script and get to the back. Lord, I pray, God, that you will help us to examine ourselves, whether we're in the faith or not. Not if we're perfect, but God, is if there is in our life, in our thoughts, in our actions, something that is contrary to the gospel, something that doesn't fit and doesn't belong, something that we've excused or neglected or deceived about that we don't even realize is there, Lord, I pray what David prayed. Examine us, O Lord, and show us Show us if there's any wicked way in us. Examine our minds and examine our hearts. Come on, some of you right now, I just want to give you a minute. Some of you just need to say, Lord, I repent. God, I give it to you. Come on, some of you can, some of you can find free, freedom in this moment. Some of you can find renewing in this moment. The power of grace will change who you are in a second. Come on, some of you, you may feel like, hey, I might say I'm sorry, but how is that going to change the addiction? I'm telling you, God's grace and power can break addictions and break strongholds and break habits and break lifestyles. 
So Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord, over Florence and over Lawrenceburg, I pray the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit would transform every single person in these rooms, that we would pass the test in what we believe and how we live.